All right, if you've got a Bible, Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be. I hope you each had an awesome 4th of July. Uh, nobody, okay. Well, I don't know how things work at your house, but at my house, I don't even let my kids light the stove by themselves. But there's just something about the red, white, and blue. Come on, somebody. The independence of it all. That I give them a flaming torch, and I'm just like, hey, go nuts, you know, chase each other around, uh, light stuff on fire, get close to the vehicles, the propane tanks, it's all, it's all fine, do whatever, you know, it's what George Washington did, okay, so just do, do what you need to do, so I love it, love 4th of July, God bless America, I'm thankful that we uh, have the freedom to even come in here and worship, but also thankful we made it another 4th of July seemingly unscathed, so Uh, If you're a guest with us, thanks for being here. Hope you find your time both enjoyable and meaningful. The past number of weeks, we've been exploring a guy in your Bible named Daniel because I believe he records some valuable information that can help us in 2018 live a life uh, and and thrive in life. Even though his journal is over 2,500 years old, Daniel struggled with some of the same things that we all struggle with. You know, I've found that people are people. Uh, You know, technology has changed and some of the different things in life have changed. But for the most part, people still are people and and the world isn't all that different uh, then than than it is now. Like I said, some technology and stuff like that is, is different. But what we read in Daniel's narrative is not just how to survive in in culture, but really thrive, especially in what seems like a a godless culture. And believe me when I tell you that Babylon, where Daniel lived, uh, was the most godless place in the history of the world. And and Daniel thrived, and I think he can teach us how to do the same thing here. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of why Mondays matter. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but do they, Pastor? I mean, really, do Mondays matter? I'm glad you asked. I did an impromptu survey uh, regarding Mondays. Here's what I discovered. One lady said, if every day is a gift from God, I'd like to know where to return Mondays. You know, yeah, no, I've said the same thing. You know, I'd like to exchange this. Restore credit would be fine. You know, like a a Saturday instead of another Monday. Uh, another person said, a rainy Friday is still better than a sunny Monday. <laughs> yeah, that seems, seems reasonable. This is good. I like Tuesday simply because it's literally the furthest from next Monday I can possibly be. <laughs> Not a particularly good day. It's just literally the farthest I can be away from Monday. Plus, uh, America's Got Talent is on, you know, so Simon, you rascal. Uh, this is my personal favorite. If you ever see me smiling on a Monday, you'll know an alien has killed me and is wearing my skin as a disguise. (laughs) So true. You see me smiling on Monday, you might as well kill me because something's horribly wrong. You know, or I'm going to kill you because I'm an alien. That's what aliens do. Thank you, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith, for rescuing us those many years ago. Uh, But again, the question I'm trying to answer is why do Mondays matter? So let me answer that, and then I'll show you in Scripture where I get it from. The reason Mondays matter is because an excellent spirit doesn't happen by accident. In fairness, that's why every day matters, not just Monday, because an excellent spirit doesn't happen 
by accident. With the rest of our time together, I want to prove to you that God's goal and plan for your life and His primary purpose for putting you on this planet in this time period is so that you could lead other people to Jesus by having an excellent spirit. You know, people often tell me as a pastor, I just don't know what God's plan is. I don't know what God's will for my life is. And, and I don't know what it is for you either, but I do know that it will involve having an excellent spirit. How do I know? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, where an excellent spirit is, there is fullness of life. An excellent spirit will lead you to an exemplary life, which the best news I can give you is that you can leave here today with an excellent spirit. This is my, my entire message. You can leave here with an excellent spirit. Can we go home? No, 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 you cannot go home yet. Uh, I got some other things on how we're going to get you to an excellent spirit, but that's literally what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about. So let's talk about how to cultivate an excellent spirit. Hopefully you found Daniel chapter 6 by now. If not, you can follow along here on screen. But if you're new to the whole Bible thing, what you need to know is that what we're about to read takes place in modern day Iraq. As I mentioned, we're about 2,600 years in the past. There's a king named Cyrus. He's a Persian. His general, a guy named Darius, is in charge of a vast expanse of territory called Babylon. Together, they've conquered pretty much the entire known world. So in world history, they're kind of a big deal. Uh, you can read all about them if you're interested in that. You know, go to Wikipedia or wherever else information is found. But at this point, they're trying to get their government in order and, and squared away because they've just conquered Babylon from uh, a king named Nabonidus and then his son Belshazzar. So they need to appoint, you know, all their kingdom people, their UN ambassadors. You know, get the Supreme Court justices confirmed. That's, you know, get, make sure the polling booths are up and running. It's a big deal. Uh, nobody likes a hanging Chad, right, Al Gore? So they've got to, uh, they've got to get all that stuff situated. So that's where we're at. Here we go. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. Pause. You know, what is a satrap? That seems like a bizarre word. It's basically Persia's form of a senator. Okay, a satrap is in charge of implementing the king's decrees. They collect taxes. Uh, they, they institute policy. So think of them as, as basically senators over this, this kingdom of Babylon. Uh, verse 2, and over these 120 satraps or senators, three high officials of whom Daniel was one. These satraps would give an account to these three high officials so that the king might suffer no loss. And keep in mind, we're talking about roughly three million square miles of land here. Uh, that's roughly the size of these great United States. The lower 48 is 3.1 million square miles. How many representatives have we appointed to make sure our government might not suffer loss? Okay, so you're getting a picture of the Persian kingdom, uh, King Cyrus, his commander, uh, and then these three high officials. His commander is Darius. Uh, That's how they ruled. Satraps over all these people. Verse 3, 
Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit. A what? An excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's pretty remarkable when you think about it. Daniel, a kidnapped Israelite who has lived and worked in the kingdom of Babylon, is about to be put in charge of an area of the Persian Empire that's as big as the United States. How? Because an excellent spirit was in him. Literally, the original text of, of Daniel, written in, in portions of Aramaic and Hebrew, the, the word excellent spirit, the words excellent spirit, could literally translate frame of mind. And Daniel had an excellent frame of mind. In other words, an excellent spirit is a choice. It's an attitude. It's not a particular skill set that set Daniel apart. It was a choice to be different. It was not special gifting. It was his approach. It was his demeanor. Uh, it's your character that will largely determine your destiny. That's, that's what Daniel teaches us. Zig Ziglar maybe said it better when he said, attitude, not aptitude, will determine your altitude. A lot of truth to that. You know, how far you'll go in life is largely determined by your outlook. I don't believe it's fair to blame bad luck or life circumstances for where you're at in life. I hate it when people tell me when when it comes to living life, ah, it is what it is. No, no, it is what you make it. You get to decide how the outlook and the direction in your life is going. What you're going through is not an accident. It's not fate or karma. You reap what you sow. If you're reaping bad fruit, then sow some good seeds. And you get to change your future. An excellent spirit does not happen by accident. So you've got to make some decisions in your life that, I'm, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to choose an excellent spirit. I'm going to go through life. If you do believe in good luck, then know an excellent spirit will lead you to good luck or find you. Uh, so if you, if you want to ascribe things to luck. I found it interesting when I was doing some research, discovered that pessimists have double the risk of a heart attack than an optimist. Let that sink in. You're twice as likely to die from a catastrophic heart failure simply because of your attitude. It's pretty stunning. Uh, Research discovered that pessimism can be also linked to a whole other list of of health failures, uh, things including stress, weight gain. Because if your attitude is, oh, nobody will ever love me, I'll just eat this entire package of double-stuffed Oreos, you know, nom, 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 it's going to be fine, I agree. Well, an excellent spirit is not found in in double-stuffed Oreos. Uh, Excellent taste, for sure, but uh, not an excellent spirit. So I don't think those extra pounds are a result of bad luck, Uh, maybe bad metabolism or something. I'm not a food doctor, but uh, think about something. We know from the previous stories in this book of Daniel that uh, he had the gifts to be a full-time prophet. He's interpreted dreams, chapters 2 and 4. He's deciphered angelic writing, chapter 5. So he could have been a Jeremiah. 
He could have been an Ezekiel. He could have been an Isaiah. Who are, who are those guys? They're, they're, they're men in your Bible who had a special gift revelation from God. They're prophets. Daniel had all the same gifts that these men had. And Daniel clearly could have done something different with his life, yet he chose to, 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 to stay in secular work. Uh, he had all the markings to be a full-time prophet. And yet he chose to work for an evil empire. He expressed his commitment to God and helped the kingdom of God by not being in occupational ministry. Daniel is a perfect example to remind us that the primary way God works through the world and in the world is through, quote, normal people. You know, you'll have way more of an impact on culture than I will. You'll have way more of an impact on society than I will. It's why I want you in leadership. It's why I want you performing leadership roles in the world. You should be a CEO. You should start that company. You should be a teacher. You should be getting involved in government. Uh, As a pastor, people expect me to live and, and act in a certain way. You know, when I show up, all the fun stops. You know, it's... Hide, you know, hide the kids. The pastors here, you know, don't let them speak. What if they say a cuss word, you know, around, around the pastor? Though that's that's not good. So, uh, people expect me to live uh, for God and have a God answer for everything. But it's all of you working in the real world who are communicating the gospel every single day, and rightfully so. That's, that's the model that we've been shown throughout the entirety of Scripture. Abraham, well, he was a shepherd. You know, Paul, tent maker. Luke, physician. Jesus, carpenter. You know, Jesus worked a secular job far longer than he was in ministry. And check it, it pleased God. That, that Jesus worked in the family business. When Jesus was baptized, before he did any miraculous healings or before he did any sort of ministry or prophesying or anything, God shows up at the baptism and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. You could literally translate God's words, and it's in a Greek imperative, it could literally translate, this is my son with whom I've been being pleased. Like continually pleased. And why is God pleased? Because Jesus has been working hard in a secular job, in the family's small business. Apparently, hard work in the secular world pleases God. I can say it like this. All work is sacred work. Whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. Work wholeheartedly, Ephesians says, as to the Lord, not men. My point is, Daniel didn't complain that he wasn't a full-time paid prophet. Daniel didn't think working in a church or on a mission field was somehow the highest calling in life. No, he rolled up his sleeves. He punched in the time clock every single day. He worked in the secular job and intentionally at where God had placed him. In addition to that, Scripture says he worked with an excellent spirit. This excellent spirit has now caused Daniel to get a pr- promotion. I hope you understand it's not your Christian values that get you noticed. It's your work ethic. You want to be a witness? Be the hardest worker. Amen, somebody. That's what people are looking at. 
but also be ready for the pushback because verse 4 happens. When, when, then, when, what are you talking about? When Daniel was about to be promoted, likely on a Monday, you know, freaking Mondays, you know. Uh, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in the connection with the rules of his religion. Here's the takeaway. An excellent spirit can cause others excessive jealousy. When you have an excellent spirit, which is what you're supposed to have, uh, be ready because it will cause others excessive jealousy. Uh, In the beginning of this career, his fellow workers thought Daniel was just like them. Uh, They assumed he was just out for himself like they were, that uh, he wanted to get ahead. Daniel just needed to make money, earn a power, and because they assumed that he was like them when they found out that he was being promoted, they were like, let's dig up some dirt. He's surely corrupt like we are. He's surely negligent like we are. He's surely getting ahead because he's doing something immoral like we are. But when they looked inside, they discovered he was not like them at all. They found no corruption, they found no negligence, found no bribery, no malfeasance, just an incredibly wonderful man with an excellent spirit. It's important to understand that as a Christian, this is the same thing you have to deal with in school and the workplace. You know, people don't like to have their flaws pointed out. People don't like it when you work hard because it causes them to work hard or it forces them to, to look bad. And it's why when Jesus showed up on the scene, He said, no, you, you, He made it a point to say, you will fuss, uh, suffer hardship because of Me. Uh, you will be hated because of Me. They will insult you because what I've commanded you to do is work hard and, and be fruitful and multiply. And people aren't going to like that because you're shining a light on the fact that they're not working hard. It's, that should all be a given. Jealousy is going to happen. You need to understand that it is. It's super important to understand that because only when you realize an excellent spirit causes excessive jealousy can you understand that we can't allow others to disqualify us from the path we're destined to take. Uh, We can't allow people to speak into our lives and do things that would cause us to look bad. It's pretty hard in a world, though, where, you know, it only takes an accusation to, to get somebody fired or whatever. That's why you have, to be import, uh, you have to be careful to not disqualify yourself by making poor choices. If people are going to accuse you like they accused Daniel, then let them ac- accuse you in connection with the rules of your religion and not the caliber of your character. That's what we discover here. Perhaps the reason God brought you to church today was to remind you that those struggles that you're facing and you're going through is because you're doing a good job. You you need to go through some of these things. Just keep at it. The people that are accusing you and criticizing you, they want what you have. You know, so you can't allow yourself to be taken down by them. You need to help lead them to Jesus. You need to keep up your excellent spirit. Because at the end of the day, men accusing Daniel, you know, they couldn't fiddle. uh, They could fiddle with the rules of his relationship. They couldn't fiddle with the relationship that he'd established. 
that's why it's so important for you to develop a relationship with Jesus. That's why I'm so passionate about you understanding who Jesus is. Because uh, let people fiddle with the rules. They can't take the relationship away from you. You know, right doctrine leads you to right relationship. That's why you need to understand who Jesus is and, and what He's done for you. Right doctrine leads to right relationship. I'll give you an example. If after I was done preaching here today, I said to my wife, Babe, I just, I just love you so much. I love your big, beautiful brown eyes. I love your jet black hair and your almond-colored skin. You know, I can't wait to go to lunch with you and eat, uh, you know, some Chinese food and, and discuss the ancient Puritan history of New England, uh, John Owens. I, I mean, I would just love uh, to have these conversations with you. Can't wait uh, to hear about the things you've been reading you might think, well, pastor, that sounds amazing, but let me tell you why that's going to go bad. Uh, for starters, my wife's eyes, they're not brown. Uh, they're blue, uh, more of a gray, grayish tint. We'll call them blue, okay? Her hair is not jet black. It is, it is whatever color I paid for that month, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it seems to be adding up. It's been black. It's been black before. In fairness, uh, it's been red. It's been it's, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of colors. But uh, well, we're not talking about ancient Puritan literature and novels uh, at lunch. We're we're talking about Dancing with the Stars, you know, Criminal Minds. See what's been on TV lately. Uh, that that's the conversation that we're having. My point is, you can know some facts about somebody and not actually know somebody. And my fear is a lot of people know some facts about Jesus, and they don't actually know Jesus. In the same way, an excellent spirit doesn't happen by accident. Establishing a relationship with God also does not happen by accident. The message that Jesus came to this earth to deliver is that whosoever believes in Him will be saved. It is no accident that Jesus died on a cross. He willingly gave up His life for you. He knew you wouldn't choose Him, so He chose you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And listen to me, there's nothing you've done that would cause God to love you any less. God wants this relationship with you. His invitation is simple. Come follow me. Come get to know me. Learn about me. Do as I do. Not because it earns you any extra points, but because it creates in you a purpose. God says, I've given you a plan for your life. I want you to lead a wonderful, beautiful, fulfilling life. I've already paid for your sins, so stop using that as an excuse to do nothing. You've been forgiven. Now go live in such a way uh, that you've been forgiven. Start cultivating an excellent spirit and cultivating right doctrine. Get in this relationship. Understand me. Know me. That's the message of God. Now, I think it's worth uh, pointing out that if you're trying to market yourself for a career or if you're in a hiring uh, role within a company, look at the characteristics ascribed to Daniel. He was faithful, always responsible, 
and completely trustworthy. Uh, put that on a resume or uh, under qualifications. Well, I'm always faithful, responsible, completely trustworthy. You're getting that job, right? ZipRecruiter, go find that in somebody else. You, you can't. I'm faithful, completely responsible, always, always trustworthy. Imagine your, how different your life would look if those are the words that people use to describe you. You know, imagine if your boss said, well, I can always count on them. You know, I, I may not believe what they believe, but I know they're, they're always on work. Yeah, I work on time. You know, she stays up early, or she shows up early, stays late. Uh, they're completely trustworthy. When I want something done, I know who to go ask. It's them. Uh, like those are the things that you should be you know, living for. That's that's an excellent spirit if I've ever heard of one. It doesn't matter if you're delivering a pizza or delivering Bibles to a remote people group. If you're living your life faithful and trustworthy and responsible, people are going to notice you in a good way. Amen, somebody. Develop these things. Let's keep going. Verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, all in agreement. That's not true, right? Have you ever tried to get 10 people to agree with you? Your wife and you can't even agree where to go eat, what movie you're going to watch. You know? So how are we saying 120 of us plus all the people under us, we're all in agreement. No, two of them were in agreement. The two who are about to be demoted because Daniel was about to be promoted and they told everybody else, hey, if we're getting a pay decrease, y'all are getting a pay decrease. Let's pretend like we're in agreement. Daniel's got to go. So they present this idea to Darius. The king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days. Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. I want you to notice the parallel between King Nebuchadnezzar's command in chapter 3, where he says, you have to worship this idol to this command, which is, but you can't worship anything else. It's the, it's the lie the world wants to give you. You can't worship God in this way. You have to worship the things that we say in this way. Anybody ever else heard, well, you're just taking this thing too seriously. You're just taking this God thing too far. You know, tone it back a little bit. For, for everybody else. That's the message. You, you can't worship your God in this way. You can't raise your hands and worship. You, come on, we're sitting here like, you're making everybody else look bad. That's, that's the message. Verse 8, And now your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians cannot be revoked. Just so you know, in world history, we have this document. The laws couldn't be changed except for some special circumstances. So King Darius signed the law, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows wide open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Circle star, whatever you knew, highlight, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. 
Uh, Here's how you can write it down if you're taking notes. An excellent spirit will yield exceptional habits. When you have this excellent spirit and you're cultivating it, it will yield exceptional habits. I heard a pastor once say, it's the small things no one sees that result in the big things everybody wants. That's so true. Uh, we, we just assume it was an overnight success, but it was all the small things that you never saw that led to this big success that you see. And look at verse 10 again. It says, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Now keep in mind, Daniel was abducted at around age 15. Here in this story, we know if you, if you run the timeline forward, he's 85 That's 70 years of faithful prayer, three times a day. No wonder he knew who God was. No wonder he, he, he had this relationship that everybody else wanted, but they couldn't uh, attain to. That's what I meant when I said there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Daniel knew God. Uh, it's also why I say an excellent spirit doesn't happen by accident, uh, because we now see the excellent spirit Daniel had. It's been cultivated through the course of 70 years praying to God. You know, how differently do you think your life would look if you committed to praying three times a day every day for the next 70 years? I would adventure to say that you would know exactly uh, who God is, you would have a complete understanding of what He has called you to do in this life. You, you, you have the red phone when you pick up and God's on the other line after 70 years of faithful praying. Uh, I love Psalm fifty-five, seventeen because the writer writes, evening and morning, but then again at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, He shall hear my voice. Notice how the psalmist mixes up the order. It's evening first, then morning, and then finally at noon. Uh, he doesn't say, well, morning, noon, and night, then I, that's when I pray, morning, noon, and night. No, why, why does he, he, he do that? He does that so you won't skim over the, the order just as simply poetry. That you'll just read morning, noon, and night. Yeah, I get it. That's what everybody does. No, he says, he says evening, and, and then morning, and then again at noon. It, it's, to, it's to remind you that, oh, my body needs food three times a day. You know, I eat morning, noon, and night. Maybe I need to feed my soul, come on somebody, three times a day. Maybe that would cultivate in me an excellent spirit by praying three times a day. Some of you have been starving your souls and you're wondering why you're withering up. Uh, because you're not feeding your soul. You're not communicating with God. Who, who's the author and perfecter of life, the, the bread of life to feed your soul. You need to get back in this relationship. Uh, It's because you can't develop an excellent spirit without self-control. If we learn anything from Daniel, you you can't develop this excellent spirit without some level of self-control, some level of discipline. Daniel is disciplined. Just so we're on the same page, discipline is anything that will make future you say thank you. That's discipline. I think we can all agree that as we track Daniel's life through the pages of Scripture, we can, we can clearly see how future Daniel will want to say thank you to, to past Daniel. He's constantly making wise decisions from, from his diet to, to these disciplines. He did what would bring glory to God. 
You know, from the menu to the methods, Daniel was constantly saying, you know what, I'm going to do what's going to bring me joy and God glory and for all the other stuff I'm just going to stay away from. Does this scripture mean that praying three times a day is going to cause you somehow to have secret success? Is this the secret sauce to Christianity, Pastor? No, it's not. Daniel did what worked for him. It's a rule of life that worked for him. You have to develop a rule of life that works for you. Jesus talked about this in John 15, 5, when he says, I am the vine branches. He who abides in me and I in him, they will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word abide, there's an important word. John uses it 43 times in his writing, trying to communicate to us that God is all about you communicating and and being with him, abiding in him, remaining close to Jesus. So abiding would be a crummy command if it was only reserved for the monks, nuns, and pastors, right? I mean, if, if he says this 43 times, if this is a command of Jesus, say, hey, you're supposed to abide in me, that would really suck if it was just for holy people. But it's not. You know, I'm actually going to piggyback off this idea next week. I'm going to teach you exactly how you can abide in God. So I would encourage you to come back next week. But what you need to hear me say is the good news is uh, abiding is for everyone. For those who work 70 hours a week or those who work seven hours a week. You can abide. It's for laborers and lifers. It's for students and saints. It's for preachers and parents. Abiding, being in this relationship, it's reserved for everyone. So I hope you can come figure out how to do that. But what I want you to understand today is that if you want to perform under pressure, you have to practice when it's peaceful. You know, that, that's what Daniel did. He, he had 70 years of peaceful praying three times a day. So when the pressure came, he was already in the habit. He, he practiced when it was peaceful. He had an excellent spirit, and it yielded exceptional habits. And he understood that habits are much easier to create when times are good. You know, if you were here for the Creature of Habit series, you understand that too. You know, that once a habit is established, the circumstances surrounding the habit, you know, those don't really matter anymore because the habit has already been created. You just do what you've always done. And so we've got to give some serious thought to our habit life. What habits do you need to create to abide in Christ. For Daniel, pray three times a day. For you, it might be that, it might not. But you need to understand what it is. Furthermore, here in Daniel, we found out that habits often reveal our priorities because Daniel didn't care about his position. He was essentially the third in line. And they said, hey, if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to throw you into the lines. Then you're going to lose your position aside from your life. And he didn't care about that. Uh, he, he understood that working for a Persian empire didn't matter uh, if, as long as, if he wasn't serving God. No matter your job, you've got to realize you're a child of God first. Just so you know, as much as I love you and as much as I love this church, I realize that in 30 years, some young punk kid is going to come down and tear down that which I've literally given my life to building up. He's going to institute some nonsense style of worship. You know, he's going to use a language that I find irreverent. 
which if you've heard me preach, that's saying something, okay? Uh, and, 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 and he's going to win people to Christ that I would have no ability to win to Christ. And listen to me, it's going to be awesome. He's going to change the world. What I constantly want to lay before myself every single day is God didn't need me. You know, God, I'm not going to save anyone. And God's big plan for the world is Jesus, not me. Now, I'm glad he's allowed me to discover what I'm good at and, and my gifts and my purpose, but I'm under no illusion that just because I'm in occupational ministry that I'm somehow special. So I too, daily, like Daniel, want to line myself up with the priorities that God has called in life. I'm first a child of God. I'm second a husband. I'm third a dad. And finally, I am what I am occupationally. Uh, that's the priorities that you need to put into your life. That's what it means when I say creating an excellent spirit. You've got to line yourself up with the priorities are in your life because bad priorities will produce a bad payoff. And if you've got a bad payoff, change the priorities. Look what happens next. Verse 11. Then, uh, when, when this king signed the decree, probably on a Monday, again, freak Mondays, the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king, reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, the decision stands. You were here when I signed the law. It cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. You've probably heard the rest of the story. That Daniel at age 85, despite the graphic you saw on the felt board as a young man, that's not true. Daniel at age 85 with his bad hip and everything is thrown into the lion's den. Uh, they're waiting for them to gobble him up, but God sends an angel to shut the mouths of lions. Just so you know, this is the only time in recorded history that God sends an angel to shut the mouths of lions. This is why we're not reading the story, because the point of the story is not, hey, if you'll live uh, the way God has called you to live, he'll shut the mouths of lions for you. No, more people have died at the hands of lions than have been saved at the hands of lions. So the point of the story is not have enough faith, pray three times a day. God will rescue you from your proverbial life lions. No, the point of the story is an excellent spirit will sustain you even if the lions do eat you. And that's the message. Uh, here's what you can write down. An excellent spirit endures extraordinary suffering. An excellent spirit, when, when you've created that, it'll allow you to endure extraordinary suffering. That's the message of God, that an excellent, produces, an excellent spirit produces the understanding that I can trust God no matter what. I can trust God no matter what I'm going through. I, I don't trust God because of what He will give me. I trust God because what He's already gave up for me. That's the life of Jesus Christ. That's the message of the Gospel. Why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The reason I came to church today is to remind you that God is bigger than your circumstances. Now, certainly God can beat your circumstances, but even if He doesn't, you win because God is better than your circumstances. thought I was preaching really good right there, but... Keep moving along. I'd like to remind you that at some point in your life, uh, your God and your culture will collide. 
And you, like Daniel, need to be humble enough and wise enough to realize when is that collision a big deal and when is that collision just a little bit of a fender bender. In other words, don't confuse what you don't like with what God forbids. The entire point of these six weeks together in this book of Daniel was to give you some practical steps on how you could navigate that collision when your God and your culture collide. So as we close, what I want you to hear me say is I honestly believe the best way you can navigate this world and the culture God has placed you is by changing your attitude, by cultivating this excellent spirit. You say, but I'm just one man, Pastor. I'm just one woman. What could I possibly do to help change the world? Uh, Daniel was a slave who was kidnapped from his home, castrated and imprisoned, and here we are talking about him 2,600 years later. One man changing a Babylonian empire and changing a Persian empire. That's what you read in the very last sentence of chapter 6. One person with God's help can do amazing things. An excellent spirit does not happen by accident. So you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. Uh, What you need to realize is I've got to start moving and a choice is before you this morning. You can choose to just live life, you know, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Or you can choose to endure suffering. You can choose to develop some excellent habits. You can choose to work hard at the secular job God has placed you and therefore be a shining light in a dark world. Or you can just keep on keeping on. Ah, it's another Monday. Another week in the books. As for me and my house, you know, as for me and this church, We're choosing to serve the Lord. We're we're choosing to make progress. We're choosing life over death. We're choosing freedom over sin. We're choosing an excellent spirit. We're choosing joy no matter what. We're choosing to take Monday back. Oh, you can make all the rules you want, world. It's not the rules that I'm following. It's the relationship with God that I'm going to follow because He rescued my life. He changed my life. He sent His Son to die for me. Come on, is anybody else excited? about the fact that you don't have to live in a world followed by rules and things that just lead you down dark path. The, the rules God created are for your joy. Yeah. For, for, for joy I came is, is what Scripture tells us. You can't take a relationship with God from me. You can make all the rules you want. But you can't take this relationship. God has given me purpose. God has given me a reason for living. And I know why Mondays matter. Do you? That's the question. And are you living in such a way as to make not just Monday matter, to make every day matter? You matter. You matter to God. Look no further than the cross of Jesus. He died for you. And he wants you to, to live your purpose. And he wants you to change the world. Don't, don't sell yourself short by saying, I'm just one person. No, you're, you're one plus three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you can do a, a bunch of different things. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
And God, we love you. Do what only you can do. Light up this room with your spirit. Show us how we can be living for you. Teach us the habits we need to develop in our life. Give us this discipline that Daniel had. Move us from this place in a powerful way to change the world for your glory and our joy. Speak to each person here today. Show them the next steps that they need to take in following you closer. And God, I I believe that there are always people in this room who have yet to trust you as their Savior to develop this relationship that you have, you've asked us to have, to cultivate this excellent spirit. So if you're here this morning, I want to give you a chance to do that, to trust in Jesus, to literally change your life, to leave this place completely changed. The old is gone, the new has come. Uh, confess your sins, and God will save you. That's what the Word teaches us. So I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Just in your heart, say, God, I'm sorry. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. But I believe three days later you rose from the dead. I have faith that you have saved me. Help me today and every day to live for you. God, thank you for new life. Thank you for everyone in this room today. Help them move on your behalf and move on our behalf. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.